0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4. Our text tonight is chapter 4, verses 8 through 37. It's one of the things that we find in the Bible that the Lord presents to us certain characters some of them uh, much more well known to us; uh, some uh, m- known more uh, occasionally. We're going to be presented tonight with a woman of great faith, uh, known as the, the Shunammite woman, and uh, the woman from Shunem. And she's anonymous; her name is not not mentioned one of the reasons that God presents us with these characters in the Bible is to teach us something about the life of faith. Faith is not always constant. We are affected by uh, the events in our lives. At times we are filled with joy and a sense of victory and other times we are dashed uh, and feel ourselves broken to pieces by an event that has upended us. We find tonight in this account of the Shunammite woman uh, an example of uh, a woman who had great faith in God and uh, who went through uh, a, a, a great blessing and then a dashing of that blessing and then the Lord's blessing again and so... Uh, Let's look together then at uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. One day Elisha went on on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So, whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold, now. I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And He said to Gehazi, his servant, called this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, Say now to her, See, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, Call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway and said, And he said, At this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. She said, No, my lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son about that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. And when the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. He said to his father, O my head, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, all is well. Then she saddled the donkey, and she said to her servant, urge the animal on, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, There is the Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, All is well. When she came to the mountain, to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet, and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? And he said to Gehazi, Tie up your, sir, your garment, and take my staff in your hand, and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply, and lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives, and as You yourself, live; I will not leave you. And so he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. And therefore he returned to meet him and told him, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. And then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. And so he called her. And when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. She she came and fell at his feet and bowing to the ground. And then she picked up her son. And went out. So ends the reading of God's word. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Our Father in heaven, we come to you before your face this night, thanking you for that redemption, that new life that you have given to us in Jesus Christ, and realizing that in so many ways we are undeserving of it, And we ask, O Lord, that even in the life of this woman who lived so long ago, we might see something of how it is that we might live the life of faith. We ask that you would bless our time this evening as we consider your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Shunammite woman uh, is a contrast to the woman who was the wife of one of the sons of the prophets in the previous section of chapter 4. you remember that she was poor, she was in debt, and uh, she came to Elisha pleading with him because the creditors were coming to her door to take her sons. Tonight we are introduced to another woman, a woman who is well-to-do. We learn about her, and the first, first, let me just kind of lay out the path in terms of uh, how I want to approach this section. First, let's look at the woman of Shunem, and she is. uh, We we learn a a number of things about this woman, um, and gives us some background. Then, secondly, the hope, the hope uh, that she did not have a hope denied. Then a hope invited and satisfied, a hope suspended in grief, thirdly, fourthly, and then fifthly, hope in the resurrection. First, the woman herself, secondly, hope denied, thirdly, hope invited and satisfied, fourthly, hope suspended in grief, fifth, hope in the resurrection. We learned in this uh, section that God cares for people who are well-to-do as well as he cares for the poor. The Bible has commands uh, to those who are rich, urging them not to trust in their riches, and yet there are those to whom God gives gifts of material wealth, and they are urged to use that for the sake of the kingdom of God. And uh, this woman is presented to us as a woman who has some means. She wasn't facing deprivation. She was secure in her earthly life. And she never would have to face a creditor coming to take her children. More importantly, however, she is presented to us as a woman who has faith in the true and living God in a day in which Uh, Israel as a whole had wandered into idolatry. And she is a devoted follower of the prophet Elisha, and she is his benefactor. When we say that she is a woman of faith, what do we mean? What are the evidences of that? Well, we learn that one day Elisha is making his preaching tour, and he goes to Shunem. And uh, we, in verse 8, it says, he went on to Shunem, where there was this wealthy woman uh, who lived there. And uh, the first thing that we notice is that she, being a person of some means, she recognizes that this is, a, Elisha is a man of God. Notice she's, the words that she says to her husband in verse 9, behold, now, I know that this is a holy man of God. Now, uh, when, a word, when a sentence begins with the word, behold, there's usually some excitement behind that. Uh, she has come to the realization that Elisha is not like so many in Israel in her day, but here is a true man of God, and she refers to him as a holy man of God. And she is a woman who, recognizing that, and uh, she is, uh, uses uh, her uh, means to support this man of God. She has this insight into who he is, and she wants to use the wealth that she and her husband have to support his ministry, the concerns of the kingdom are first. And so we read that as he passed by, um, uh, she urged him to eat some food. I tried to picture what that might have looked like. Um, if uh, Elisha was uh, um, uh, on a preaching tour in the northern kingdom of Israel uh, and she was attending some of his sermons, maybe uh, he, she went up to him afterwards and spoke to him. But she was the kind of woman that would not be intimidated as others might be. Um, I would think that uh, if she, recognizing that he is a holy man of God, she, many people would be intimidated to speak to, her, to him. But she urges him, and the word urge is a word in which she is exerting persuasive power. Maybe she recognized that he wasn't eating properly, or maybe she didn't think that he was taking care of himself well. But she comes up to him and uses her own personal powers of persuasion to, uh, to uh, convince him to uh, uh, eat the food that she would prepare if, she, if he would stop at her house, which was on his way. And so she is a woman of some uh, strength. She prevailed upon... Elisha, the man of God. And then we notice as well that she has drive and uh, initiative. Every time that she speaks in these in verses 8 through 10, uh, she is uh, speaking either to Elisha or to her husband, and she is saying to her husband, now that Elisha has uh, become a habitual visitor uh, to our home and eating the food that we prepare um, why don't we build, uh, add on a room to the house so that he can come and on uh, those occasions where he needs rest and privacy, he can come and stay with us overnight and stay as long as he wants. What generosity, what hospitality she demonstrated. Those of you who are in Sunday school this morning, Uh, Notice that we uh, read this passage as a person in the Bible presented with uh, who has this uh, ability to be hospitable. She has drive and initiative. She is uh, able to see need and uh, to uh, offer it unasked. Elisha is not coming to her. Uh, She suggests it to him. And uh, they go so far as to generously add a room to their home for Elisha to live in. And then I want to note, uh, finally, about this woman, is that uh, she is someone who attends upon Elisha's ministry. I wonder if I could ask Carter to put a a map up on uh, the wall behind us here. Um, This map um, shows where Shunem is. There's Shunem. And this is Mount Carmel. And thank you for enlarging that. Uh, so you can see this is the area. This is about 12, 12 to 15 miles from Mount Carmel. And uh, as Elijah would travel in this region, you can see there's the Sea of Galilee. And so this area right here is probably seen of the northern ministry of Elisha. And he probably traveled through here uh, preaching at various sites. If you go back to the uh, original uh, uh, size of that carter, we can see down here in the lower area that in the southern area of Israel, down here uh, in Jericho, Gilgal, and Bethel, That would be another area where Elisha uh, ministers. And so in this area, south of Samaria, Samaria is the capital of the northern kingdom. And so uh, there would be an area here south of Samaria and another one up here uh, north of Samaria. And so... Elisha uh, travels throughout in, in, in a time when the Israelites were not able to uh, uh, attend to the ministry of the temple in Jerusalem. Thank you, Carter, you can take that down. Um, uh, when they're not able to attend to the temple in Jerusalem, what do they have? They have uh, what, what is forming among the faithful in the northern kingdom of Israel is uh, little, little flocks, Little congregations that are gathering around God's prophet, listening to him as he ministers uh, and teaches the word of God. You can see here the beginnings, the beginnings of this idea among the total population, which is given to idolatry, that there were the faithful within the, the northern kingdom of Israel that attended to the ministry of the word of God. And uh, you say, well, on what basis do you say that? Well, it's interesting that um, when she, in verse um, uh, 23 of of this section, uh, when she approaches her husband to go, uh, that she wants to go see the man of God after her son died, uh, her husband says, um, well, it's neither new moon nor Sabbath. It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. Why are you going to the man of God? And so uh, the the thinking is, is that on certain days, it was normal for uh, the people of God who loved the Lord to go and attend to the man of God's preaching and teaching. Uh, But this was not one of those days, which is why her husband asked that. And so there were those who... Uh, We're benefiting from that. But here is this woman who is generous. She takes initiative. She is focusing on the ministry of the word. It's supporting that ministry with her means. And the Lord rewards those who do that. Um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And so this woman Being generous, using her means for the support of the ministry of the word in her area, supporting the prophet Elisha, the Lord takes notice of her generosity and rewards her for it. So we come next to hope, suppressed, or an unasked for blessing. This woman uh, uh, came to Elisha and gave him an unasked-for blessing. And now Elisha is going to say to her, what can we do? What can we do for her? And um, he speaks through his uh, servant Gehazi, and um, he says uh, to give her that uh, request, what can we do? How can we reward you for your kindness to us? And her reply is interesting. She says, I dwell among my own people. And I puzzled over that and scratched my head over it. What, why would she respond in that way? I, re, I dwell among my own people. I think what she's trying to say here is that she has no quarrels. She lives at peace with her neighbors. She has the respect of her neighbors. And she is not in need of the intervention of the commander of the army or the king of Israel. And so she, uh, she declines the offer. And so Gehazi and Elijah are scratching their heads and they're saying, we need to do something for this woman. She's been so good to us. And uh, so Gehazi then informs Elisha, she has no son. She's married to a husband who is old and she has no son. And so uh, uh, this uh, is something that Elisha then calls her back into his presence. And uh, in verse 15, uh, he says to Kehazi, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. Now that standing in the doorway is interesting because there's another woman uh, in the Bible that did the same that I'll mention in just a minute. And he announces to her in verse 16, At this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. And so a promise is given to this woman that she would have a son. And her response is such that it indicates that she this touched a very deep desire within her. She had probably longed for a son, as every married woman in Israel did, longed for a son and was without children. She had probably prayed for a child. And when Elisha makes this promise to her, it seems too good to be true, how can you say this to me, don't lie to me, don't toy with me, Elisha, and uh, so uh, she is almost afraid to believe it, because it is such good news to her ears, she's afraid of disappointment, Uh, she responds in the way that she did, I don't think because uh, of, of, of disbelief, But of of, uh, almost emerging faith and and a desire to believe, but afraid to believe. The language that is used here describes her as one who is uh, without child. And like Sarah, Abraham's wife, uh, she is beyond, uh, uh, she does not think that she will ever have a child. And yet it is announced to her that she will have a child. And lo and behold, verse 17. But the woman conceived and she bore a son and about this time, the following spring, as Elisha said to her. How good God is to this woman! What a wonderful act of God's mercy and grace uh, in her life! How joyful she must have been to have. This uh, this promise made to her, and then as she awaited uh, what would happen when she conceived, how much joy she must have had when she had the child, uh, the son that she bore. Uh, how she must have given thanks to God for her for the goodness that God had showed to her. And so we are now introduced to, thirdly, a hope suspended. In grief. One day when the child had grown, and so this is some years later, the child is old enough to be out in the field with his father. And he's out in the field with his father and the reapers, and it's very hot. And he says to his father, oh, my head, my head. And some people think that this is some kind of sunstroke that he had. The father sends the servant to carry him to his mother, and the mother, the Shunammite woman, uh, takes her in his lap and holds him in her lap until the text says in verse 20, he died. Hope, Hope dashed, hope suspended. Hope confused. Didn't I say to Elisha, do not deceive me. She she shows a, a faith in her immediate response when she went immediately to lay him on the bed of the man of God And uh, she shuts the door behind and doesn't say a word about the death of the child. She calls to her husband and calls for a servant and a donkey that she might go to the man of God and come back again. And then the husband's question, well, it's not the new moon or the Sabbath. And she said, all is well. And then verse 24, she saddled the donkey and uh, she goes says to her servant, urge the animal on, don't slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God. She was determined to get to the one who made that promise to her. She was determined to find Elisha. And uh, she would not allow anything that would deter her or delay her to come in the way, not even explaining to her husband that his own child has died. And so she reminds us of one who is uh, very intent, very persevering in her faith. She doesn't allow any extraneous conversation and she gives orders she told her, told her, tells her husband what to do. She tells her servant what to do. And she goes to the man of God. And uh, Elisha sees her approaching in the distance. And he he sends Gehazi to speak to her, to ask her all kinds of questions. How are you? How is your husband? How is your child? And uh, she answers Gehazi in such a way that uh, 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 she does not want to engage him in any conversation. She is intent on getting to the one who gave her the promise of a child. So she brushes past uh, uh, Gehazi and uh, she comes to Mount Carmel and she takes hold of Elisha's feet. Gehazi tries to brush her away and uh, Elisha has not had it revealed to him what She is going through the cause of her coming. And uh, he does not know why she is in this state of uh, utter grief and sorrow. And uh, he says to Gehazi, leave her alone. Verse 27, after Gehazi tries to push her away, leave her alone for she is in bitter distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. And then she says in verse 28, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? She is stricken with grief. And she repeats to the prophet his own promise. Meaning to say something along the lines of, I didn't ask for a son you you promised me a son and now that hope has been taken away and the promise of a son has been taken away so there are these this this she is in a terrible place she is in a terrible place of grief so how do we think about this in terms of our own lives and applying it to ourselves well, it wasn't long ago that she was filled with joy, and now she's filled with grief. And so the Christian life is a life in which we experience certain things where it seems to us that God has gone back on us, that He is no longer blessing us. In fact, that He will take certain gifts away from us. And it seems as though God is cruel. Some gift that the Lord has given you might be taken away, and you are laughed, confused, and perplexed, and grief-stricken. Your faith is being tested. This woman's faith is being tested. The Bible tells us that that is what God does. He tests our faith. He puts us in situations where we don't understand what, is, what it is that God is doing. Peter says about faith in 1 Peter chapter one, he says, you rejoice in the hope of the inheritance that is yours, but he says, even if it is necessary now for you to be grieved with various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor in the revelation of Christ. And so I would say to you that this woman is having her faith tested, and you will have your faith tested. You will have times when you think that God has abandoned you, that God God's word uh, and his promise to you is not true. But here is when we go to God. We go to the one who is the source of the promise. We go to God's word and we hold God to, and we hold to his word. And that is what she did. She went straight to the source. She went to Elisha. And uh, Elisha is the one she is convinced that has the answer to her perplexity. He has the answer to her grief and sorrow, and Elisha doesn't. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what is going on. So he sends Gehazi to go with his staff, thinking that maybe Gehazi could get there more quickly because it's a, it's a, long, uh, it's a long trip, and hours and hours, probably six hours, have gone by in the trip one way, and now it is uh, the return trip. And this child has died. So Gehazi goes with the staff, and the staff does not accomplish the purpose. And he comes back. But uh, the woman says to Elisha, I will not leave you. She is convinced that only Elisha, the servant of the Lord, uh, is able to be the one who can help her. So uh, she is. Uh, Elisha travels with her back to her house, and Elisha goes back to the home with her. He goes up to the room. And there he lays on this young child, putting his mouth on his mouth, and his eyes on his eyes, and his hands upon his hands. And we notice that he notices that the flesh of the child begins to get warm. He went back down evidently the the, the bed was in an upper up on the roof and so there's this going back and forth between the room and the downstairs he goes back down and he prays and Elisha is praying fervently that the Lord would raise this child from the dead he goes up and he stretches himself on the child again and the child sneezes seven times and opens his eyes What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. The Lord works through Elisha the prophet. He is the one who comes and he lays upon this child. And his, almost it is as though his life force enters the child. And so it is that it is the Lord Jesus Christ to whom you and I must go. And he is the one who is our designated prophet. He is the only one who can help us in our need. When all other avenues of help fail, and they will fail, Jesus has the gift and the power to give life. And he will give it to all who ask of him. The Lord does not always answer prayer immediately, and that was the case even for Elisha. He had to pray, and then he walked back and forth, and he went back and he prayed. And yet, as a result of his prayer, the Lord raised this young man from death, and he was returned to his mother. Now, not far from the town of Shunem, where Elisha where this occurred, there is uh, another town called Nain. And when Jesus was ministering, he went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd uh, went with him. And he drew near, Luke chapter 7 tells us, he drew near to the gate of the town. Behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Almost so parallel, so near, not only geographically, but one difference. Jesus said, I say to you, young man, arise. It was by the power of his word that this man, this young man was raised. Whereas Elisha prayed diligently and the Lord heard His prayer. Well, this episode of the raising of the Shunammite's son, the restoration of this young man and his being given back to his mother, is a pledge and a preview of what will certainly come to pass when Jesus Christ returns and the Lord raises from death each and every one of his sons children, our glorified souls will re-enter our glorified bodies, and we will be raised gloriously. And so in the Bible, we have these accounts of resurrection, and they are meant to point us to the greatness of the resurrection of Christ, and the resurrection that is promised to each and every one who, uni- who is united to Jesus Christ through faith. Those who trust in Jesus Christ, those who hold to the feet of Jesus Christ, as this woman did, Elisha, those who cling to him who is the source of life, he will, by the power that is in him, give you the gift of resurrection life. That life begins here and now, but it will be consummated on the great day of his coming again, we have a sure and a certain hope because Jesus Christ himself has been raised. His resurrection is the guarantee of yours and mine. And this woman's trial of faith is an example to you and to me this night of how it is that we are to go through all of the various trials that occur in our own lives, that we would go and cling to the one who is our own prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that Elisha was a pointer to, that he himself is the one who will raise us by his own power on the day of his return. Let us pray. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful account of this woman of faith who, in her grief and sorrow, uh, would not be denied, but went to Elisha, and uh, you in your graciousness to her gave her her son back. Father, we pray that you would grant to us that we might be those who, like her, cling to the Lord Jesus Christ in a life that is full of ups and downs and all kinds of craziness and all kinds of difficulty. May we look to him who is the resurrection, to him who has the power of life itself. May we do this, Lord, by your grace and your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Our final hymn.